And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk. This is J-Dub and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shea Gibbs Alexander and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy Waters and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to dunk. This is Jay Will and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort and I'm down to dunk. We say this is Lou Dort and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> this is Lou Dort and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Mondays is Michele Barra. Michele, oh, what's up? Winter is here, Andrew. Finally, after, I don't know, three months of autumn that looks like summer, we are finally there. I'm wearing a jacket because, nice. um, yeah, it's it's cold, pretty same, cold. Same in Oklahoma. It's gotten really cold here. It's also it's also Thanksgiving week, which means nothing to you. Mm-hmm. Um, have you had any traditional American Thanksgiving food before? Yes, I've been to America during Thanksgiving. I probably already told the story. I think you uh, now that I'm now that I'm thinking about it. Now that I'm asking you this, I think we've had this exact same conversation before. But go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, um, I made a very poor decision. Uh, there were a couple of friends that told me, hey, why don't you come and stay with us for Thanksgiving? Um, all Europeans, but uh, in America, uh, since I don't know, three, four years. Mm-hmm. And said, no, I have to go to Chicago to visit Chicago because it's the only three days that I have. And I ended up having Thanksgiving in a restaurant. Um, and it was terrible. The turkey was <laughs> Super duper dry. Um, I mean, it was. Um, I had to wait two hours and a half before I got seated. Even if I had a reservation, it was the most miserable Thanksgiving ever. Since then, even if I wasn't in America for any other Thanksgiving, I try to um, to have a sort of Thanksgiving like meal mm-hmm. uh, around Thanksgiving because, of course, here it's not vacation. So yeah, you do like a turkey and. Uh... Some stuffing, or what do you do? Yeah, I, I had that a few years ago. Um, this year, uh, it's Laura's birthday on, on Thanksgiving. So oh. probably over the weekend, uh, we will have some um, some food, and there will probably be something Thanksgiving-related involved. Nice. We have yet to decide, but, um, but nice. yeah. Well, happy Thanksgiving to all of our American listeners. Uh, enjoy it. hope it's great. I uh, hope it's better than the Thunder 7-9 and nine record, which is surprisingly good, actually. Which I think maybe some Thanksgiving food is surprisingly good. 7-9, uh, and nine, they're 12th in the West. They currently are 18th in offense at a 110.7. Their defense is 18th as well, 111.8 for a negative 1 net rating, which puts them 21st in the NBA. That feels about right as mm-hmm. far as the team goes. So, yeah. 
this is, I mean, we've been saying this position almost exclusively, like ninth position in, in the lottery standings. And that's, you know, that's about where they are. And so that to me is, is pretty interesting because I think this is about the caliber of team they are. They've also had a tough schedule to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and Shea has been obviously just an absolute supernova so far this season. But just your general thoughts on where they are in the NBA compared to the rest of the, the rest of the league. Um, I've kind of watched everyone playing so far. Um, not entire games uh, for every team, but I have a grasp of what is going on. And I think that OKC over the past, I would say, six games um, had basically the regression to the mean in terms of opponent free th- uh, three-point shooting. Um, I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I have cleaning the glass open up and basically opponents are shooting 36.5% according to clean the glass, which is, I would say, slightly above average. And so you can say that the defense is around the middle of the pack. And offensively, to me, uh, the fact that they didn't have Trey Mann for the last few games, when Shea is off, things are really clunky so far. There are very few players that can put pressure uh, like the way he did, uh, like the way he does. So I think that... um, it's surprising, but I think that they are slightly better than what they have showed over the past week, even if Shea has been amazing. But there were moments, multiple moments in the game where I think that there are stuff that they will clean up. And they are super young. And so I, I think that if they allow them to establish themselves for something like 50 games instead of 35, we will see something better than what we have seen now. We have seen glimpses. As soon as the defense is not perfect, they make the defense pay. I mean, it's not uh, a coincidence that they played against New York and they looked amazing. Then they play against Washington, which is a very good team defensively without some of the weapons that they have. And they struggled a bit. And they struggle against Memphis's length. I think that mm-hmm. length is putting them, um, is giving them trouble, especially yeah. when they don't have um, many creators in terms of efficient points yeah i mean if you look at them just the last 10 games Mm -hmm. 22nd in defense yeah 114.1 offense one three-point shooting um yeah i can pull it up here in a second the offense is 14th at a 112.1 so a little bit above league average there and then in net rating they're like 23rd in the last 10 games at a minus 1.9. So they haven't been one of the better teams in the league. They're that to me is like that's a sign of a young team. Yeah. You know, like this is how young teams play is erratic and kind of all over the place. And they're the one of the best defensive teams one week and then the next week where they're one of the best offensive teams and then they're somewhere in the middle. You know, they they lose that game in Detroit, which, looking back, feels weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they hang with the Celtics, and you know they've had good wins and they've had some bad losses, and you know you kind of mix all that up, and it's like, yeah, this is a young, developing team. They are playing about as well as they can. I mean, that Memphis loss 
was really interesting because it was one of the first games where Shea just didn't have it. You know, he's 6 of 18, yeah. 2 of 4 from 3, finishes with 15 points on 18 shots. He just did not have it going. And they still are in there. Yes and no. They are still yeah. in the game. What do you mean, yes and no? I mean, I don't want to complain too much about yeah. how Shea didn't have it. I find it very, very bizarre that he had just one free throw while attacking the... He had oh. just four four shots less than his usual average. Yeah, in the fourth and, quarter, he played four minutes and he took one shot. Yeah. In that game. So in three quarters, he was basically on average in his usual amount of possessions. And he just... I mean, he was attacking the, the lane relentlessly and it just didn't generate enough. I mean... Yeah. It's weird. It's very weird. The one free throw uh, is weird. one night off. Yeah, when you're leading the league in drives and you're getting there, and there were several, several calls that you could say like that that should have been a free throw. That should have. Yeah. And he took one free throw, and it was a tech free throw. Exactly. You know. Exactly. And was, that helps you for getting into rhythm with your shot. With yeah. Your, no question. Um, and so if you see that nothing is working, then it's probably piling up on you. Mm-hmm. But yeah. He he didn't have a great game. Um, yeah. So it's um. But they hang on with others. Yeah, they played well, and he's not every night. Are you going to get the benefit of the whistle? So he mm-hmm. has to basically convince the officials to blow the whistle, and he didn't. Yeah. And part of that's on the officiating crew because I I don't think they did a great job, but some of that's on Shea too. I mean, he's yeah. he's he's got to be a part of that puzzle too. Like he's got to make them call, and that's what sh- that's what James Harden did for forever. It's like yeah. he just made the officials. He just bent the game toward himself and made the officials do it. Also, a part of it is he's not a complainer. You know, no, he's not. The officials are human beings as well, and if you are officiating Luca. Harden or Durant was like this, Westbrook was like this, and you, part of the way you bend the officials to call these fouls is, one, you just have contact at the rim or with the defender. Second way is you get on their nerves <laughs> and you just you just make it to where, like, hey, you're not seeing what's happening. Look, and the coaches do this, and a lot of players do this, and Mark is really the one, the only one that's really doing this for the Thunder. Yeah, honestly, like Mark and Mark is pretty uh, vocal during the games. If he sees something, he will let them know, and he will call them by name and yell at the officials, have them come over. He'll let them know exactly what he thinks, exactly what's on his mind. And but you don't hear that from Shea, and so like I think that's a slice of the pie for him, and. It's it's honestly probably better for Thunder fans overall, just because it can be exhausting watching Luka Doncic night in, night out, just because like he's so great, but man, does he complain after every yeah. single play. Every single play. There was a he yeah. missed a, a game winner the other night. No one was touching him. I don't even know what he was saying to the officials after the ball didn't go down. I don't know, you just missed the shot, dude. Like, just live with it. And then he's yelling at the officials as if they had something to do with it. I don't know. It's that can be exhausting, but also he's doing it for a reason. Oh yeah, you know he's not doing it just because he's a crybaby. I mean, he's doing it because he knows that it's 
maybe it bends the officials 5% more in my favor because I'm making yeah. them look at every single thing that's happening. And so Shea just doesn't do that, and that's okay. Yeah. But we did get to see Josh Giddy play pretty well in this game. Yeah. You know, his stats overall looked really good. 20 points, uh, seven or no, six boards, 11 assists, a block, only three turnovers, which feels low for Josh this season because mm-hmm. he's just, it feels like he turns the ball over all the time. 10 to 20 from the field, didn't hit a three, is 0 4 from three. But, you know, Josh started to get a rhythm. It's just, it's going to be the thing that we talk about all season is how are Josh and Shay making it work? Because it does feel like, oh, Shay's having a great night. No, Josh isn't. No, no, Josh had a great night. No, Shay's. I mean, it's just yeah. getting that to gel is going to be the biggest thing for this Thunder team this season is trying to find a way for that to happen. And there's there's a good chance it doesn't happen this season. Yeah. You know? I was looking at some overall numbers for players and plus minuses and stuff like that. It's weird that OKC has basically two, they are basically zero in net rating, but yeah. this is not how the net rating for each individual player is distributed. There yeah. is a chunk of players that is in double figures, basically, uh, from Baisley to Treman to mm-hmm. Shea and then Muscala and Wiggins. These are the players that have plus seven or more. And then there was a crop of players um, where there is Giddy, JRE, uh, Jalen Williams, uh, J-Dub, um, that are quite negative. Yeah. There is also Paku in there. Yep. And what is weird to me is that there is nothing in their play except for maybe Giddy uh, and in some cases JRE where you can say, oh, yeah, I know why they are bad mm-hmm. or I know why Wiggins is so good. Well, I know why Mike Muscala is so good. No, yeah. there is not. I mean, Muscala hasn't been very good, no. yet he leads the team in that rating. Uh, he's Jaylen plus Williams, 14 on the season. Yeah, and yeah he's, exactly. And he's not played well. And you can even see on his face, like he's a little discouraged with how he's played yeah. this year. He's not making shots. No. And yet, with him on the court, everything is working. With Baisley is a completely different situation. Mm-hmm. Baisley has been very good defensively, and every stat checks that out. Checks yep. that um, he was also playing in like in the first part of the of the year where OKC was right around five hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. He's but he's in it, the ninety fifth percentile in points per possession on the defensive end. Yeah, Baisley is. Yeah, minus twelve. Yeah. Uh, when like the defense is twelve points better yep. when he's on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is more uh, than the impact that Shea has in offense. So just to give you a frame of reference. Yeah, so I think that it, it's weird that you can see guys individually. They're not playing so bad. I mean, Giddy had a terrible first half against Memphis and a great second half. Mm-hmm. Um, and in spots, in a lot of games, he hasn't been good. Uh, whereas last season, he was basically at zero. And now is quite bad. But... Like the net rating is not um, indicative of how they are playing mm-hmm. on the court, so it's something that I want to to see how it goes, how it moves forward. Because two weeks ago I checked that and and it was already like this, and said, "Oh, oh, this we're going to revert." Um, yep. It's it's impossible that Giddy is so negative or that uh, Poku is so negative because I can clearly see that he's doing good things on the court, but for some reason, the lineup when 
kitties off the court and Shea's on are working extremely well. Yeah. Extremely well. And the lineups with Shea and Giddy and most most nights also JRE are not working. Mm -hmm. So I think that this is why I'm saying, I mean, the lineup that are working are working because Shea has space around them. And this will, maybe not to this degree, but this will continue to be good. Yeah. If you put shooters around him, this will work. Um, if you put shooters and a good defender, it will work better. Um, the other lineups, though, have a lot to to improve on because there is nothing technically that doesn't work. Like Jalen Williams is playing well alongside Shea. He's yeah. hitting shots. Mm -hmm. So why are those units so bad right now? He's minus 21 and a half. Yeah. That's the worst on the team by far. Yeah, by far. If you were, I mean, it would take me just of like a blind, you know, just eye test kind of thing. If I didn't know that, I would, I'd say like he's maybe like middle of the pack, you know. I feel like he's been one of the better players for the Thunder this year, just overall. But he also plays with a lot of bench units, which is, has been hurting him. And so I just, I think it, it's something to monitor for sure with him. Uh, the injury report... Hey, he's almost as bad as Jabari Smith Jr. God, Jabari Smith has been brutal. He played better against Golden State, but... Yeah, boy, watch that game. Boy, I don't know. I don't know about him. Even in the moments where he played well, it's just like... He's got a long way to go. And he's really young, so I don't yeah. want to like write him off, but he's got a long way to go. So the Thunder just updated their injury report and upgraded Trey Mann to questionable from out. Poku mm -hmm. is still out. Isaiah Joe is questionable and Darius Baisley is questionable. Jang is still with the G League and uh, they sent um, Jay Will down to the G League uh, last night was when they alerted everybody. I'm sure that you don't send him at night, in the middle of the night. Like, alright, time, to to, time to go to the G League, man. Why not? Maybe they have evening practices where they watch films. Could be. Could be. Hopefully Trey Mann plays. I miss watching Trey Mann play basketball. He has yeah. been one of the bright spots when it comes to plus minus on the court, especially with Shea. He's a plus 10.9 on the season. That's good for fourth on the team. Shea is a plus 11. Wiggins is a plus 11.7. And then, we, as we mentioned, Mike Mascala, 14.1. And then Baisley is a plus 7. Lou Dort, plus 3.6. And then Usman Jang in limited minutes of plus two. Everybody else is negative. Kenrich negative. Poku's negative. Jerry is negative. Josh is negative. J-Dub negative. So it's very interesting. That doesn't yes. exactly match the eye test. But also, they're, like to be fair, this is a middle-of-the-road team. And I just kind of like all those guys. <laughs> so yeah. you know what I mean? Like somebody's got to be negative. Like somebody yes. has to be, and if I were to pick somebody, I wouldn't be like, oh, like Aaron Wiggins needs to be negative, or you know, somebody's got to be negative. It's just the pendulum swing is just really strong. Is the is the weird thing? Can I me. make you guess on something? Yes. Can you guess the net rating of Shea and Trey Man together on the court around three hundred possessions? It's got to be like a plus twenty three or something like that. Yeah, very close. 22. What about if you add Aaron Wiggins? It's just 100 possession, so it's extremely small. 
sample size. Plus, but it tells you how it went. Plus 36. 39. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's that matches the eye test. And and it is shooting. Like it is definitely putting shooting around Shea Gillis Alexander. It's like yep. huge shock. A guy that leads the league in drives, a guy that is lethal from the mid-range at the basket, even from three himself. Huge shocker that if you give him more space, things are going to go better for you. I mean, it's that that's, this is partly why I'm willing to just ride off a lot of like weird chemistry stuff this season with he and Giddy mm-hmm. or with he and Dort or with he and anybody, just because the space that will be created vertically and out to three with Chet is going to change the way they play the game. And then we don't know who they're getting in the draft. We don't know if it's somebody that's going to make a difference right away. But if it is, that will change it too. And so just making sweeping judgments on, well, this will never work, and Gideon, he will never work. We just need to go ahead and trade Josh Gideon right away because this... No. I mean, maybe having Josh as like this ultimate connector piece out there with other really talented offensive players could be really good. I mean... They can't play like the Warriors. No one can play like the Warriors because no one has Steph Curry. But you just wonder, like, the way that Draymond Green has played, Draymond doesn't shoot. Draymond is like an, is a negative shooter. He's just not good and hasn't been good. But he is part of why they can be who they are because he is able to pass at the level he does and screen at the level he does. And so I just wonder what that looks like you know, in three or four years um, with Giddy still a part of this team. Uh, McKelly, are you frozen? I think he's frozen. He looks even though. Oh, I think you're back, maybe, or just frozen in a different position. I was going to go over players shooting 40% or better from three uh, and talk about if they're sustainable or not. McKelly, are you back? Uh-huh. I hear you perfectly. Okay, there you go. You're kind of fading in and out for me. Okay. Um, okay, I think you're okay. I think you're fully back. I can see you blinking again. So okay, so let's go over. <laughs> let's go over. It's probably thank God. It's probably your connection this time. I'm good. At, or at, or at, uh, in the oh, chat. It, could, it so. could very well be my connection. Um, okay, so let's go over. There are. Six players shooting 40% or better from three right now. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about if these are sustainable or unsustainable. No, 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 and no. Starting with Aaron Wiggins. 40% on 1.9 attempts per game. How sustainable is this? And if it's not, where do you think he settles? I think he's a 33, 35% three-point shooter. Okay. Yeah, that's right. right now. That's worse. That's worse than I would have hoped you have said. So he's from the corners. He's shooting thirty-five point seven percent from the corners this season, yeah. and that's over half of his volume is from yeah. there. So he just must be. I mean, he's just hitting all of his above the break stuff. Um, yeah, which is unlikely to continue. I think that is. It's possible that he settles around thirty-five or. Or something like that. Yeah. Um, I think it's more likely that he drops than he stays like this. Yeah. I'm a big Wiggins believer. 
I just think he's a good basketball player. Oh, oh, me too. And I think that the shooting has a lot to improve on because I was discussing it with John on Thunder After Dark. Mm -hmm. um, I remember uh, discussing with you that Wiggins had a very nice mid-range smooth uh, shot. And um, this was from Summer League two years ago. And that shot is nowhere to be seen. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that there is there are stuff that Wiggins is not doing right now on the court. He's clearly working on, and they will pop up again. Uh, like Jeremy Grant, do you remember when Jeremy was in college? He was mid-range only, almost. Yeah. <laughs> like in the first few years of the league, oh, that shot was not. It. I just didn't think he would make it out of Syracuse. Yeah. Here, like that shot was not part of his NBA game. It was, hey, no, 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 no. That thing is not for you right now. And then in year four or year five, that became again a weapon that he was using and he was scoring a lot. He became yep. a three-level scorer because of that. Yep. So I, I, I think the Wiggins has make, makes a mistake uh, in terms of decision-making, in terms of positioning on the court. Yeah, of course, he will make fouls and he will lose uh, some turnover and stuff like that. But he is he's a low-maintenance, effective, efficient player. Yeah. The more, the better. Yeah, and he's great in this system in particular. I think the system that they play in makes him look better than if he were in Philly or something like that, whereas he's asked to be more of a standstill guy. Oh, sure. And so... That's one thing to take into account with like all of these guys is that they are all, for the most part, being put in positions to succeed. I think the only exception, I think, is Josh Giddy because I just don't know that Josh with Shea and this kind of offense is like necessarily like the most ideal setting for him. Like He's got to learn a little bit. Like The most ideal setting for, for Josh is to probably have like a really good pick-and-roll big man and then have shooting, you know, out on the perimeter for him. It's like somebody he needs speeds. He needs speed and and moving parts around him. Yeah, to be great. Yeah, I just think if he could have somebody that sets a really good screen that has gravity, like Chet, frankly, and we saw some yeah. really good moments with he and Chet. You know that that will change the way that he plays too. And so I just, I don't know. I'm holding my judgments. Yeah, but. But on Wiggins, mm -hmm. um, you said, yeah, but, and for all the players, you can say, yes, but uh, I mean, they are developing in a system that is really functional for them. Yeah. It is the truth, but we can't praise teams like Miami and say, oh, wow, they, they found Max Struess. Oh, wow, look, mm -hmm. Richardson is great with them, and or uh, Dion Waiters, uh, Justin Wislow, and then they, they go, it just is Winslow. Yeah, um, justice, Okay, yeah. I misspelled that. Um, um, and then they go away, and they are clearly not the same. Yeah. I don't possibly care if whatever OKC is doing works just for OKC. It has to work just for OKC. Yeah. I don't care. Oh, I'm not saying I'm not trying. No, no, to, I know that you don't. To discount the players. I'm just. I'm. It's a honestly, it's a positive thing because for oh, yeah. for so long the Thunder did not have a favorable system where guys who look good elsewhere 
came in, and you're like, what What happened to this guy? Was this guy who used to kill us? He used to destroy us all the time. What's going on here? Yeah, you know? exactly. If the opposite happens, like if a guy like Giddy is so good in OKC, or a guy like Aaron Wiggins, that someone is willing to pay a first rounder, you have options. Yep. You really do. So it's it's all good. And um, and again, um, it's a, a huge testament to, to what OKC is doing development-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, next guy, Shea, 40.9% on 2.9 attempts per game. Is this a sustainable level of shooting for Shea Gilgis-Alexander? Yeah, I give it a take. I think that he will get more spot-up opportunities, which is barely getting right now. Um, and he will eat less of his pull-ups. So I think that the two things will balance out. He will end up the season between 38 and 41, I think. Yeah, he's 18 of 44 on the season. Yeah. And then with Wiggins, he's only 10 of 25, which I feel like I've seen Wiggins take more than 25 threes, but what do I know? Um, because it, he, he played less games, and so you're yes, condensing. true. Isn't that, isn't that weird? Like that's the, yeah. one of the weird parts about this season is that you'll just have games where it's like, yeah, we're just not going to see Aaron Wiggins. He's like a, a healthy scratch. He's only played in 13 of the games. Yeah, yeah, that is that does feel a little bit strange at times, but that's just the way it has to be. Like if they're going to play Usman Jang minutes, somebody's got to sit. Yeah, can't play everybody. Uh, okay, next one. Poku, 41.7% on 3.4 <laughs> attempts per game. He has, he's 20 of 48 on the season. Um, I've seen a sturdy player. Uh, <laughs> he's 42.9% very... from the corners. Yeah. I think that he, the shot looks very good. Yeah. He's taking great shots. Yeah. Um, I think that 41 is a bit too much, <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes the season around 37. What, which about, is, what about 39? I think that is, um, <laughs> it's not like a, a Carolina Reaper take yeah. anymore, but it's still a, like a spicy jalapeno, something yeah. like that, where you, you, you think you're having a jalapeno and then it's, 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 it's too much. Yeah, you know, you know the feeling like where you expect something is. Yeah, it's mild. Oh wow, it's not mild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I've been that's here. I've been surprised, and I had I had the the bold take that he would shoot thirty nine percent. I didn't really believe that he would do that. Um, but the, I mean, he's been to me thirty five was already quite bold at the beginning of the season. Yeah, it felt insane. And it's not like his like overall stats are just like whoa, watch out, what's he doing? You know, he's averaging nine point eight points per game, five boards, one point six assists, the two blocks per game, one point nine blocks per game. That is probably the most astonishing thing is he's become a good shot blocker, and not just within the flow of you know a defensive possession, but that block that he had on Jaw in transition, where she's having That's to. Nice. He's having to flip his hips, you know, back and forth to keep up with where Ja Morant is going. Like, I think Ja changed directions three or four times on that drive in transition. And Poku is able to stick with him, flip his hips, and block him. That was really something. That was one of those moments where, like, oh, okay. 
Like he's starting to get it, and he had ten points. And my my bold prediction that he would have thirty five points and a win in that game. I'll, I'll still I'll maintain that on an alternate timeline where he doesn't get hurt, that happens because he was he was killing it at the beginning of that game. Yeah. No, he's playing very well. And again, the um, last season we started to see in many games steady decision making for yeah. him yeah. with no results. Um, yeah. Good and steady defensive possession, no blocks. Good and steady choices in offense, no shots yeah. uh, that went in. Right now, we're seeing better decision making because he's learning how to be more impactful defensively. Yep. The game doesn't seem very fast to him. Yep. It does when he's gassed at the end of games, which is, I mean, it's something that you can understand. But like he's playing better. And I mean, I was texting with a friend of the pod, Josh Morrison, that morning after, and he was saying to me, hey, we really need Poku. Now, I don't know that OKC really needs Poku. I think that um, Poku has been one of the best um, big men that they have, which is, I mean, they don't have many, and he's contributing um, every single night. Now, it's as we, as we said before, the numbers are not translating really in wins, because the best units that OKC has are small unit, small ball units, almost every time when Kenrich or Wiggins play the four, and you have a lineup that can run, uh, it's better. But Poku has been surprisingly good, and yeah. he's twenty years old. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's not even twenty one. Yep. And I mean, yes, he had two seasons in the NBA already. That that counts. Yeah. Um, but he's still twenty. Yeah. If you. So you just look at the progression that he's made from year one to year three. You know, year one, he's 34% from the field. <laughs> year two, he's 40.8. And so far, just through 14 games, he's 49% from the field. Which a lot of that is just like pure decision-making. And him, yeah. his ability to finish at the rim is is a is a big deal. He's from 0 to 3 feet, he's 78.8% up from 70% last year. His his rookie season, he shot 55% from 0 to 3 feet. Yeah. I mean that's that's a terrifying like not an NBA player number. Um you go to his three-point percentage. You just said that Lou Dort is not an NBA player? With the overall clumsy package that he's had, then yes, not an NBA player. Not not the sturdy Lou Dort I'm talking about. Is that what Lou is shooting from zero to three feet this year? I think it was, it was worse. I got to look at that here in a second. Um, from three, 28% rookie season on 4.6 attempts. He was down to 3.2 last year, but shot 28.9%, like just a hair of improvement. And then this season on three and a half attempts, 41.7%, which is pretty wild. The free throws, which he hasn't shot very many, but he's seven no, of 13. He many. He's seven of 13. So he like takes less than one a game, but has not been hitting his free throws. But overall, pretty pretty sturdy numbers there for Poku. He, he has 26 blocks, third, yeah. 14 games in. In 61 games, how many did he have last year? I don't know, two or three less? He had 38. Oh. 38 in 61 games. And in 14 games, he has 26. 
Yeah. That is a that to me is pretty wild when when you just look at that. I mean his block rate or his block percentage is a stat that they have on basketball reference. Seven point one compared to two point nine last year. Yeah. No, but you can tell that. That is quite different. Yeah. It's crazy. It's also opportunity because he's playing center way more. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. And then uh, his usage is even down this year from 20% last year to 18% this Which year. Which is something that we were advocating for last year and saying, hey, let him play with good players around. Yes. And let him be, um, let him be like uh, less of a on-ball guy yep. and more of a, hey, quick pass, decision-making, but he, don't, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't really excel in live dribble actions. No. Um, he may occasionally do that in transition. I love how he plays uh, in pick and rolls with Shea. I think that he's finding the rhythm there, he's slipping screens, and he's trying to learn how to be more of a screener. But this center thing is, is this season. I mean, he's starting to do it right now. And, and I think that it works to perfection with Chad because, I mean, he, they can play together. I'm convinced of that, especially mm. if they have good point of attack defenders that can um, follow guys on screen and fights and in blocks and stuff like that. So um, I think that um, that unit will be quite interesting to to watch. I can't wait. Yeah. In the chat, Griffey Kaprinsky asks, where does Poku rank in the league for blocks? He is currently in blocks per game. He is eighth in blocks yeah. per game. I was about to say top 10, top 15 for T- sure. Tied with Anthony Davis and Zubak. <laughs> How about that? Uh, welcome back, by the way. Anthony Davis is um, finding his way back. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. He's, yeah, he's uh, he's played well. I mean, there's no doubt that he's played, played well recently uh, with no LeBron and then partly no Westbrook last night. Uh, Poke is also eighth in total blocks. So, pretty wild. It's in total blocks, he only trails uh, Brook Lopez who leads everybody with 39 blocks in 15 games. Bull Bull is second in total blocks. Zubak is third, Kevin Durant is fourth, Miles Turner is tied for fourth with KD. They both have 30 blocks. Nick Claxton is sixth with 29, Anthony Davis is 7th with 27, and then Poku <laughs> Poku is tied with Kristaps Porzingis <laughs> in total blocks, and Porzingis has played two more games. Yeah. So, there's that. There's that for everybody. That's, that's a thing that's happening on planet Earth right now. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll keep, we'll keep going through these shooting percentages and uh, talking about this Thunder team. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Reddick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paolo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back after that quick break. Jeremiah Robinson Earl shooting 41.9% from three on almost three attempts per game. Is this sustainable? Oh, by the way, for all you Dort haters out there, He's shooting 61% from zero to three feet. All y'all can kiss it. I I used the past. Not not sure which past, but I was referring to the past past. This is rookie season. The the bubble year where he's having a hard time with the pandemic. Okay. He's nervous about COVID when he's getting toward the rim. Give him a break. Give Dort a break. Hashtag give Dort a break. Um, okay, Jeremiah. I'm not. I know. I know. I know. You know, know, you know, you know, you know I know you want. Um, JRE, forty-one point nine percent from three on almost three attempts per game. How do we feel yeah. about this? I feel like if if it was a stock, I would sold yeah. every single penny of it. <laughs> I will sell it every single penny of it. Um, if Ouch. it's something where I I. If I have to guess, though, he's not the guy that will revert to 35% like he was last season. Mm-hmm. I think that the shot is better. Yep. Um, but the odds that he finishes above 39% are slim to me. Yep. Um, if you say 385 higher or lower, I would be probably slightly under, but not that much. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if he's between 38 and 39 by the end of the season. Yep. I would tend to say that the over under that was set is 38.5 and mm-hmm. I would keep the under. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I tend to agree with that. Last season from the corner he from the corners he was 34.8% and this season he's 42.9%. And he's he's talked about 
the difference that Chip has made on his shot and just making minor tweaks with it. Hmm. So that it looks good. It does look good. I mean, if he's a 42 or even, let's say he's 39% from the corners, this is a helpful player. Whether he's a bench guy, whatever he is, just to have a spacer where it's like, hey, we know we have to close out to Jeremiah Robinson Earl. But do we? I think like, if he shoots that well from the corners, is, eventually, this yes. Is the, no, this is the Hal Horford conundrum where he will never close out on Al Horford. <sighs> He's a, I think he'll be a better... Here's the, Al Horford takes five years to get his shot off from the perimeter. That's part of the reason why it doesn't matter. Because like you can, he, as he's winding up, you're like, all right, Al Horford, everybody. Attention, everyone. Al Horford, three. And he's still winding up. Like, yeah, sure. Jeremiah's got a quicker trigger than that. No. You're not a believer. You're just a, you are a non-believer over here. No, I think that these players uh, are. Let me read to you Al Horford from the corners for the last four years. 37.8%, 22%, 27%, 26%. He doesn't shoot for the corner. He's a top of the key kind of guy. I know, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I'm I'm talking about Jeremiah from the corner. You don't think anybody will ever care about it. No, I'm not saying this. I'm saying that you have to weaponize these guys. Like, he can be extremely helpful yeah. in, a, in a unit where he can have um, as many trees as Mike does when he's on the court. Yeah. Like, if it's every time he's open, he's going to take it, it will change. Yeah. It will matter. But those shots are going to shift. Sorry from someone to JRE. Yeah. In that case, if you have JRE with a three-point rate quite high, then I can see him becoming a weapon. I don't see him becoming a weapon when he when the other defense feel that if he if I leave him there, I will probably pay eight points on average. Which is not nothing, but if if it's going bad for me and he hits three trees it's not going to be seven. Like with Mike Muscala, if you leave him out there, he will take 10 trees mm-hmm. and he will make seven mm-hmm. and you are going to lose. No matter how, what else happens on the court. With JRE, I don't have this feeling and nor have this feeling opponent, like opponent defense don't have this feeling as well. So you have to create that. Yeah. If OKC wants to do that, sure. I, I see though too, too many mouths to feed. I, yeah. I think he can be helpful. Without that shot, he is surely not helpful. Um, but, I mean, you understand what I mean. I do. I th- I think at some point he's got to take, if he is the the lone guy that they're letting take these shots, that he's got to take a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And we saw this with Grant Williams in the playoffs last year with Boston. Is He was that guy, the guy you're, exact guy you're describing. You know, he doesn't take... I think, let me look back and see. Like, the most attempts he took in a game in the regular season was eight. And, like, that's not a lot. The most he took in the playoffs, 18. In a game against Milwaukee where they just pummeled them to mm-hmm. to end the series. 
and they just left him open. They just said, we're going to let Grant Williams beat us, and he scored 27 points that night because they just let let Grant Williams shoot. Just let him do it. He was 10 of 22 from the field, 7 of 18 from three. He's got to be willing to be that guy. Um, he also had a game where he saw, shot 6 of 9 in game two where Boston beat Milwaukee by a pretty significant margin as well. And then Miami didn't let him go wild. The most he had against Miami was five. Mm-hmm. And then against Golden State, he the most he took was four. So, I don't know. And this is also the Milwaukee defense that's just like famous for just letting guys go ballistic from three. Yeah. Because they'll just leave guys open. They're like, we don't care. They're not yeah. that anymore. They're not that this season. But I don't know. I think having a reliable shooter from the corner, which is something Oklahoma City has been desperate for for their entire existence, I think could, yeah. could be pretty valuable. Yes, especially if he's consistent. Something that we will have to monitor. Because if he's, uh, um, I don't know, most of the nights he is going to be two out of four and some nights one out of three yeah. and the summer the summer is 42 then it means consistency it means that no matter how the defense is treating you you will get efficient possessions out of jerry mm-hmm. anyway but it will not create the same thing that happens with Trey Mann. Trey Mann is like if you look at the stats yeah. he's not a better three-point shooter than jerry um he was barely better last season but yeah. I can promise you, defenses are paying attention already. Because defenses have seen what happens if you let Trey Man getting into a, um, a flow. Mm-hmm. It's similar to what Jordan Poole was last season for the Warriors. I mean, if you let him cook, you are going to have troubles. And so you, you will not let him uh, get hot from three. Mm-hmm. With Jerry, you say, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I understand what you're saying. Trey Man is just like so much more dynamic. It's like comparing apples to bananas here, you know. Yeah, but he like like the defense could say the same. Like, okay, do your thing. I will just stay two feet away from you or ten feet away, and you can just step back, step back. So I'll, I'll stay here, and just allow you. Some defense do with like guys like Jordan Clarkson. They would just mm-hmm. stare at him, stay at a reasonable distance, and and saying, okay, I don't trust your dribble jumper to create a lot of damage for me. They, it's the same way people are guarding Russ. Like, yeah, sure, do it. Yeah. Uh, shot as many times as you want. With men, is not like that, even if the percentage are not like that. I think that this is related to the fact that there is danger in letting Trey Mann cook. Yeah, he's had 20-point quarters here and there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Next one. We got, we got our two guys that aren't as big a part of the offense. Isaiah Joe at 42%. That could be sustainable. He's just a really good shooter. He'll be be around that. And then Eugene at 54% is easily the most unsustainable unsustainable. number. Yeah. It's, it's not tenable at all. He's not that. He's definitely not that. So, uh, okay. We can fire through these next ones there are five players on the thunder shooting 50 percent or better from the field mm-hmm. um eugene shooting the best at 57 percent again not sustainable sga 53 percent 
from the yeah, field. Yeah, give it or take. I think that Shea is give it or take what he is right now. Isn't that insane at that volume that he's able to, that you see it and you're like, yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah, that's about how he shoots. Yeah, it. I mean, right now he's not leveraging his three-point shooting. Hardly anything. Yeah. Um, I think that he will counter-react to what defenses are doing right now, which is sending extra men uh, and, and doing stuff like that to be... Like, he, he will leverage the three-point shooting more, and defenses will stretch out a little bit more, and he can get back to the, hey, if you stretch out, I'm going to kill you. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe maybe 53 uh, is... It's too much, but I would I would bet something between forty nine and change and fifty two. Yeah. How about this first stat? Shea Gilders Alexander has taken the seventh most field goal attempts in the NBA, only behind Luca, Trey Young, Jason Tatum, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker. Those are the only guys that have taken more. He is shooting better than all of those guys. Yeah, Not one of those players is shooting better than Shea from the field. In fact, you go to the next one. <laughs> it would take you 50 guesses to guess who is eighth in shot attempts in the NBA so far this season. I'll give you three guesses. Play along in the chat. Let me know if you mm. give, give, give yourself three guesses in the chat, too. The eighth? Number eight in shot attempts. In the entire league Ooh, this season, shot attempts. Damn, this is difficult. Um, can you? Mm. In the no, Eastern it's Conference, not Lou Dort. No, it's not Lou Dort. <laughs> He's in the Eastern Conference. Uh, yeah. Alex Bowler Jack says De'Aaron Fox. No. No. Russell Westbrook from Kirk T. No. Uh, there is an opinion that is forming in my head. Larry Markkinen, um, no, but he's no, in the top twenty. They're all, he said Eastern Conference guys, come on. Um, Jason Tatum, he already already no, said his name. He's in the top ten. He's number. No, 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 he's no, no, number three. No. Um, is he playing for a team that is currently not five hundred? Yeah, he's, he's, on, below he's on a bad team. Yeah, yeah. Is he? Uh, he was on the Thunder. Oh, it's not to my then. Terry Azir, no. It's from Great Babe. Tyrese Maxey from Kirk T, no. No. He's also on the Thunder? Kind of. Kind of. No, I don't know. I give up. Kelly Oubre Jr. is taking oh, I would the never. eighth. Of, I know. That's what I'm saying. Who I would have never. guessed that? He's taking more shots than John Morant this year. He's taking more shots than Jalen Green this year. Isn't that wild? Crazy. Anyways, back to my shocking Shea stat. You have to go all the way down to Larry Markkinen at 18th in field goal attempts to find somebody that shot better than Shea from the field. I mean, it is pretty crazy that he's been able to to do this. And then you get to Markkinen, he's 54%. Then you have to go all the way down to Anthony Davis, who's at 31 in shot attempts per game at 55%. 
De'Aaron Fox is 55% too, which is pretty wild. It also makes you feel like, oh my gosh, maybe this Kings thing isn't very sustainable at all. If he's shooting 55%, he's not going to do that. Um, there's just very few guys in the top 50. I think there's four guys in the top 50 that are shooting 53% or better in shot attempts. And then you even yeah, go which to makes the- which make you think that maybe also a little bit for Shea is not uh, yeah. entirely sustainable. I mean, the Memphis game will happen quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very, very intrigued to see how this continues for Shea because he's played like a top five guy in yeah. the NBA this year. And I am like now more fully convinced that Shea can be a number one on an NBA team. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he can sustain, you know, 31 points on 53% from the field. I don't know if he can do that or not. If he can, then he's like surpassed like the he's a number one guy. Like he's like a soup this is a superstar. Like this is one of the better players in the league. Yeah. Full stop. Because I mean he- 30 points on 50 49 is KD level. It's scoring. KD level. This is like, yeah. I mean, it's like, this is what... It's Curry-level scoring. MVPs, yeah. This is what Steve Nash used to do just on the reg, but not at this volume and not at... Exactly. You know, it's just... Which tells you that it won't happen, but also tells you that it's been 20 games. um, If you... Maybe 25, if you use the second part of last season. He's kind of doing that. Yeah. I know. It's... It should... You should... As a Thunder fan, you should be feeling very excited about the way that he has played and the way the mid-range just looks so easy and getting to the basket and taking threes. And, yeah. you know, everybody's like, oh, we need to get Shea some help. You know, they're getting him help currently by way of developing players that are on the roster. And you've got your guy who's out of a boot now in practice looking pretty good out there. Um, you have that you know, waiting for you, plus whoever they get in this next draft, plus the fact that they're going to have multiple picks when this guy is in his true prime. Right now he's in his pre-prime. This isn't even the best of what we're going to see from him. And Mark has even said as much that, yeah, he's been really good this year. This is not the best that he can play. That's what Mark Degnault said. Yeah. And so... It's not common. This is... He says something like this. This is going to... I, I think... This we haven't hit the ceiling of what Shea can be, and that should be scary and exciting for Thunder fans that you've they've somehow done it again with him. Yeah, and and this and is a gap. This is a gap year. Like this is a gap year. Yeah, it's just yeah. wild. And and again for for the for the crew um, that is saying, hey, uh, get him some help. I really want them to say who are going to target um yeah we we have jokingly said on twitter uh, about uh Keonta george uh this is something someone that uh, mm-hmm. the thunder may use and there were tons of people saying no he's not the right one i mean guys it's the first guy that we do uh for <laughs> real it was kind of a joke it was yeah. kind of a, like I just watched one game yeah. from yesterday and i'm like man i like him like, he is yeah he is yeah me really too i was fun. watching clips this morning the that's, defense it's nice it's the, fun the 
the passing like we'll, so we'll we will talk about this we'll do like a full podcast on him for uh the okc dream team so if you want to check that out patreon.com slash okc dream team and you can yeah, access but, those podcasts yeah my point is like who is the best help for shay is he someone that replaces giddy is he someone that replaces lodord is someone that replaces chet we mm -hmm. don't know we don't know yet we don't possibly know and you don't have many avenues to get at the guy yeah look at the team that did that made a move minnesota yeah hmm. are they beating their nails and trying to crunch their um uh, even their bones because they didn't offer anything for for murray uh instead of uh gobert um would they be better off waiting a week and sending an extra pick and getting Mitchell? Um, I mean, maybe they should have offered three picks for Lowry Markkinen instead. Who knows? You know? <laughs> but the point is, sometimes having an opportunity is important. Like mm. Cleveland had a clear no opportunity, doubt. no doubt, and they made a move. Yep. Um, Sometimes having an opportunity and pulling the trigger, like they did with Paul, like OKC okay, did with Paul George and, and stuff like that, is something that you do. Mm -hmm. But don't condemn OKC because they are waiting to see the team a little bit more formed before yeah. they make a decision. Because in in LA, you have multiple bites at the apple. Even if they screw up big time, they are in LA. Oh yeah. And next summer they can be right on track. Yep. Right back on track. Yep. Um, if you are LA on the other side of the of the spectrum, uh, same. If you are Golden State, same. If you are Oklahoma City, you don't have many avenues. Yeah. Um, you you have to be so intentional. You yeah. Know? You can't yeah. have these years where you're just like, oh man, we screwed that up. Let's uh, let's try again. We'll get we'll get the right role players in here next year. Don't worry. You know. Yeah. You can't do because that if you're OKC. It, because when you make a move. If it's not the move, then yes, Shea would be gone immediately. Yeah. yeah. Like if if he's the man and you bring another one that is sort of the man, if things don't, don't work well immediately, then it's trouble. Mm -hmm. Then it's big trouble. Then you risk losing everything in 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 one or two seasons. Yep. It happened with better teams. Uh, like fully formed teams, so it's uh, it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. uh, don't don't be too greedy, uh, wanting OKC moving now. Just enjoy the fact that Shea is great, that the young players are showing off, and that you have at least three four years before uh, making a real judgment mm -hmm. in what Sam Presti did in this rebuild. In yeah. year four from now, you can really say. Oh no! This is not what what I yeah. Oh, they didn't make the right choice with this guy or that guy, or they didn't develop this guy right. I mean, who knows? We just don't know. We don't know who the second best player on the team is today. Mm -hmm. We don't know who the second best player on the team is going to be next year. I think we have a good yeah. idea that it's going to be Chet. But what if it's J Dub? What if it is Trey Man? What if it is Poku? Like we just don't know. We have no idea. This is why yeah. you have to take this thing slowly. With with Shay and Shay, that's the thing is like Shay is not, is bought in. So this is a year like to truly sit back and say, let's just enjoy how this unfolds, and not 
yeah. have to make immediately immediate judgment calls on like, oh, this needs to happen, or this is never going to work, or this is oh, this is the best, or this is. I mean, the truth is, nobody knows. <laughs> Yeah. Nobody knows how this is going to turn. Usman Jang could be the the second best player on this team. Heck, he could be the best player on this team. We just don't know. We have no clue. Yeah. All the all the Thunder know right now. All that we know as observers of the Thunder is that Shea Gilders Alexander is at All Star plus status right now, yeah. and that is a huge advantage for a team that is developing guys like Dort, Giddy, Man, Jalen Williams, Poku, Aaron Wiggins, JRE. Jang, I mean, it's a huge advantage because they get to learn work ethic stuff from this guy. If you look back to Shea from high school, every single year of his entire life, people have looked at him and said, you are this, we're not sure that you can get much better. And every year, he leapfrogs that. He did it again yeah. this year. This would have been the year that I was like, I don't know if he can really do that. I'd probably be saying it myself, knowing that I talked to him the year prior and saying those exact things to him. It's like, hey, you have you have outpaced expectations every single year of your life yeah. when it comes to basketball. And he continues to do it. And it's just outstanding. And I'm I'm just intrigued to see what this looks like. I hope Trey Mann plays tonight. I just think it's really fun. I hope Baisley plays tonight. Uh, especially with the absence of Poku, I think it's really hard for this team to win without somebody like Baisley or Poku in there because they don't have anybody with length or athleticism um, able to you know, protect the rim at all. Uh, I think the absence of Poku in the second half of that Memphis Grizzlies game really hurt them. One, mm-hmm. who's playing really, really well. And then two, you know, they didn't have anybody that could block a shot in there. Which yeah. you know didn't deter and or guard anybody. JJJ on the perimeter. JJJ's a beast, man. He's a yep. he is a beast. Um, all right, let's finish out the percentages here, and then we will go. Jeremiah's fifty three percent from the field. Yeah, yeah, that He's, looks as a big guy, and he takes almost exclusively easy shots, like open threes yes. or dunks and layups. You know, like that's his shot diet. So, like, yeah, and maybe even get better. Yeah, that. maybe. Um, J Dub, Jalen Williams, fifty-two point two percent from the field. Mm, that seems too high. That is an interesting number, though. To me, I'm very intrigued by that in particular, just because he's not shooting the ball well from three. Overall, yeah. he's forty-seven of ninety on the season. He's nine of thirty. From three, thirty percent. I think, I think the number from the field will go down and the number from three will go up. Not above thirty-four percent. Otherwise, it'll owe you a pizza for the first time. I, I, I have faith that he'll get there. Sixty-three percent from two yeah. this season. Seventy-something percent from, from, uh, from zero to three feet. Let me find that number. Seventy-six point seven percent. That's that is very high. He's dunking quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's a part of his game is just the basketball IQ. Yeah, just knowing when to finish and what what shots to try to finish there. And then Isaiah Joe finishing this up fifty two percent from the field. It's a low low number of attempts. No, I, I would say thirty for Isaiah Joe is a good number. <laughs> 
35. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I would not be terribly surprised if he is actually more about 40, low 40 from yeah. the field. Yeah, yeah. He's shooting 83% from, from two, which is yeah. kind of wild. But he's only, he hadn't taken any shots at the from zero to three feet or from three to 10. He's taken, he's made all of his shots from 10 to 16 feet, which is like none. And then the rest are these like sixteen to three point range, seventy five percent on those, which comprises sixteen percent of his shots. So he's just he's just shooting out of his mind. Um yeah. the Thunder got the Knicks tonight in Oklahoma City. Should be an interesting game. I will be in the building for this one. Uh this is the the Thunder went hog wild in New York <laughs> against them. Uh, any predictions for tonight? Oh boy! Um, no poku tonight. Yeah, I mean, I don't like prediction. Um, you have to do it anyways. Just I think they will. I think that they they will have a chance to win, um, <laughs> and I would I would lean towards that compared to the other choice. <laughs> But not really in a, a definitive way. <laughs> this is basically how um, I, I have a good friend who is, uh, I think, almost 70. And he, he works for uh, our legal department. And he never say anything definitive. Um, yeah. It's almost a joke now. I say, would you recommend it? No. I'm saying that I would not recommend the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> so defensive rating the last 10 games for the Knicks, 113.2. That's 23rd in the league. And that's nice. Their offense that's... is a 110.1, worse than the Thunders. They're a negative three net rating in the last 10 games. Hmm. Good for 26th in the league. Give me a Thunder win tonight, especially after yeah. a frustrating loss against Memphis. On a long road trip, they've had a couple, a few days off. You know, I think the Thunder get back on track, and I think they beat this Knicks team, who are eight and nine on the season. They're just, they're okay. They kind of stink. They, they're not really well equipped to play the pace that the Thunder do. Um, how about this? Before we go, the NBA just announced their Eastern and Western Conference Players of the Week. They are Tyrese Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox. Has there ever been another like duo, like guys that were used to play together? You know, this situation. It's just really interesting, isn't it? That these two yeah. get split up, and it's like, oh yeah, this actually worked out for both of you guys. Like, you guys probably yeah. shouldn't have been playing together, anyways. Pretty wild. Um, it's, um, it's weird. Um, mm -hmm. I am yet to to decide if that trade was good, was better for one of the team, or if it's just. I I'm an, I'm convinced that this was basically a net zero for both teams. Yeah, but just move the pieces around. Like Domas has helped has been a huge reason why Sack has been so good this year yeah. on offense at least. Defensively, he's also a reason why they stink on defense. Um <laughs> Okay. Well, enjoy the game tonight. We'll have another podcast for you guys on Wednesday. I believe we'll still have the regular schedule this week for the show, despite thanksgiving being here so should be no disruptions there we'll let you guys know some changes 
hope you guys have a great, great rest of your Monday, and we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.